Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are holy and righteous and worthy of all praise. You pour out your love and mercy on those who seek you. And this morning, Lord, we have come to seek you. So may our words as well as our actions and even the secret thoughts of our hearts be part of our worship this morning. May this be a time of praise and prayer and teaching, uh, strengthening our focus and nurturing our faith and trust in you. And Father, we see the world around us in constant change. For many of these changes bring unrest and anxiousness with the unknown. But Lord, no matter what is happening in our lives or in the world, we need these moments to be reminded that there is still a God who reigns on heaven and on earth, that your throne is firmly established and you declare yourself to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And today, as we honor and celebrate mothers, we pray that you would protect and guide moms everywhere. And we thank you. We thank you for their special gift of love. We thank you also for um, mother's special gifts of caring and nurturing, of protecting and guiding, of wisdom and guidance. And the list goes on and on and on. But Lord, we know that every mother's gift originates in you. For every good and perfect gift we have, including the ability to love, nurture, and care for others, first came from you. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And we commit this service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. For those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Dennis Fay. I'm one of the elders here. Um, and let me just say this uh, quite frankly and up front. Today's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, please. You're, you're... Moms are worthy of applause. I am sure some of the moms here have already had breakfast in bed, right? You've received hugs and kisses from your children. Um, maybe some of you have had chocolate already, received some flowers. That's great. Some of you will celebrate later with large family gatherings, maybe a lunch or a dinner. Uh, some of you will spend time with your moms, or you'll call your mom, or, or maybe even Zoom uh, with your mother. I hope all the moms here today get to experience these things, because these things are things we could be thankful for, and these are things we can celebrate. However, I do recognize that for some, this day could be painful. Because some of you are acutely aware of the children you were never, never able to have or of the lives which died in the womb. Or maybe your choice to be child-free, which hasn't always been respected. Some of you will grieve the death of your mother, that woman who guided you, who, who nurtured you for many, many years. Others may grieve the fact that they never had a mother who nurtured or who guided them, and they so desperately needed that. Some of you had to become mothers to your parents. You manage their emotions, uh, you set clear boundaries, you care for all their needs. I'm sharing this with you because I recognize that Mother's Day can 
can be difficult for some. And as I get ready to share a Mother's Day message, and I will, I want you to know that I, I do recognize this, and I will do my best to be sensitive to all of you. I think most of us would confess that we take good things for granted, to include our mothers. I know I have. That is why, in spite of any shortcomings this tradition may hold, it's a good thing for there to have one day to remind us of something we should do every single day, which is to love, honor, and appreciate our moms. So I really do hope this day will bring joy. I hope you'll have an opportunity to recall past memories. And maybe even for some, I, I pray that this day will bring you closer to your mom. Did you know that Mother's Day, outside of Easter and Christmas, is the most um, um, highly attended church service of the year? Do you know why? Because of moms. What do you all say? I, all I want for you know, Mother's Day, would you come to church with me, right? That's, just, that's being a mom. Moms are just, it's why we love moms, you know? And so as we were putting the pulpit preaching schedule together, when I say we, uh, talking about the elders, um, I was delighted that I, ha I have the opportunity uh, to preach this morning because I really, really want to honor moms today. So if you don't mind, I'd like to take just a little liberty here, if I could, um, and just share a little bit of my um, background and my upbringing, which I hope you'll start to understand why I love Mother's Day and why it's really important in my life. I am one of six boys. I have no sisters. I grew up in a very traditional household. My father worked outside the home. My mother, for the most part, she took some part-time jobs over the years, but she pretty much stayed home and raised us. Um, when I was in first grade, my family moved from New York City to a suburb of the city in Connecticut, um, about an hour's commute into Midtown Manhattan, where my dad worked for many years. Now, I have a good relationship with my parents. My dad passed a couple years ago. Uh, my dad wasn't perfect. Uh, he was a good dad, but he wasn't perfect. Um, he was a workaholic, a strong workaholic, and also an alcoholic for a good portion of his life. Interestingly, my dad never drank at home. But after a hard day of working in the city, he loved to go to the local tavern have a beer or two or three. And I vividly remember almost every evening looking at my mom's face, and I can see the worry on her face, just wondering if my dad would make it home, driving an hour and 15 minutes in traffic while oftentimes intoxicated. So my mother essentially raised us. She fed us, she bought our clothes, she washed our clothes, she helped with the homework, went to all the PTA meetings, did all the shopping. Now, my mother never learned to drive. She took uh, driving lessons, but she was just too nervous. So my mom walked everywhere. You know, we like to tell stories. Yeah, when I was a kid, I walked five miles. My mother walked everywhere. And she walked to the grocery store with a cart, and that's how she would shop. Shopping for six boys, I mean, she did this often. And let me tell you something, folks. There are some cold Connecticut days, and my mom did that. 
My mom was also the one who introduced me to church. Did I mention I was one of six boys? <laughs> it was chaos in the Faye household. I tell people I was the best behaved of all the boys, and I wasn't well behaved at all. I mean, we fought, we played, we fought, we fought, we played, we fought. It was just, it was crazy in our house. I would say at least once a month, we broke a window. A ball going through a window, or maybe one of my brothers going through a window, okay? I mean, we, were, we, were, we didn't live on a farm. We were in a suburb. And I mean, we're boys. We brought every animal you can imagine home. We had dogs, cats, birds. We had a raccoon living in a house for a year and a half as a pet. <laughs> my brother bought a, uh, brought a five-foot uh, bow constructor home, a snake, that got lost in the house. Never found it, and we never told my mom about that. During those years, my dad, my dad actually had a uh, nervous breakdown, so we had some lean times. But we always had food, always had clothes, always had shelter. I don't know how my mom did it. I really don't. And I don't think, no, I know that I, not, I did not give my mother the honor she deserved when I was living at home. I remember even on Mother's Day, right, we would, we would write, a, a, write a card, and I would give it to her. I'd say, happy Mother's Day, Mom. When's breakfast? Right? That's what we do. You know, it kind of reminded me of a story that I really resemble, I hate to say this, but of a, of a 15-year-old boy who, who came running into the house one day and found his mother in bed. He asked her if she was sick or something because he was truly concerned about his mother. Mom replied, as a matter of fact, I don't feel too well. And the son replied, you know what, Mom? Don't worry a bit about dinner. I will carry you to the stove. <laughs> right? Moms, that's what moms do. My mom never got a break. It wasn't until years later that I realized how amazing my mother is. And basically how amazing moms are in general. You are. I've watched my wife and my two daughters become moms, and I've watched many of you become moms, and my, my appreciation for mothers have only deepened. Now, I want to share a very obvious statement here. Mothers are different than fathers, right? I mean, mom, you, moms think differently, process emotions differently. As men, we're told to be the strong one in the family. If I could be frank, behind closed doors, men, we would go nuts without our wives, especially as it relates to our children, right? I mean, I have watched my wife and my two daughters rock a crying baby for hours, for hours. Folks, I would rather run two marathons back-to-back -back in 90-degree heat than to rock a baby for an hour. I can't do it. It's amazing that you can do that. And mothers, of course, can multitask, right? I mean, mothers cook, clean, wash, with the, wash clothes, help with the homework, go to the soccer matches, oftentimes work in eight or nine hours outside the house where men and I'm not picking on guys at all, we tend to focus on one thing at a time. That's just, just who we are. And you know what? 
Moms are, let's face it, the glue that holds the family together. I think, guys, if you're being honest, you would agree with that. And, and, you know, a good mother is not only a mother to her kids. A good mom is a good mom everywhere. Years ago, my wife and I were walking through the mall. And as we walked in the entrance, a young teenager boy asked for 35 cents. I just breezed right through. My wife stopped and gave him 35 cents. And I just asked, well, why did you do that? She had such a typical mom answer because he probably needed to call home. This was back in the day when there were, you know, paid telephones, and 35 cents was the cost of a phone call. That's a mom. That's a mom. And you know what? Sometimes mothers have to be mothers to their own husband. I have two daughters, and I cannot tell you, after 41 years of life, my wife has said many times, I'm raising three kids, right? If I could be transparent here, I have done some pretty stupid things in my lifetime. I mean, did you know that the average life expectancy in the United States a couple years ago was 76.6 years? Men, we have a life expectancy of 73 years. Women, 79. I asked my wife, Kathy, a couple weeks ago, why? What's the difference? My wife didn't hesitate. She said, because you guys do stupid stuff. <laughs> All right? And, and she's right. Needless to say, mothers need to be recognized. Almost 90 years ago, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday of May to be Mother's Day. And he established the day as a time of public uh, expression of appreciation and reverence for the mothers of our country. Let me just say this very clearly. We do not need an act of Congress to recognize our mothers, or our parents for that matter. Because God has made it perfectly clear that we need to honor mothers. This morning, I'm going to focus on really two main passages of Scripture. We'll look at a number, but only two. Now, I realize we just finished uh, in a wonderful uh, uh, season of going through the book of James. Uh, but this morning, it's going to be a more topical. Well, it is going to be topical. So we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Deuteronomy, or you can just follow on the screen. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. In the New Testament, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, very similar, right? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Folks, when we look at our society, we have clearly lost the meaning of what it means to honor your parent, or this morning, honor your mother. We've lost that. You see, the, the Greek word for honor means to show respect, to give recognition. In the Bible, honor conveys the idea of significance. Uh, to show honor means to value something because of, because of its importance. All right? And this means, listen, this means all things are not equal. What do I mean by that? Well, men are not equal to God. Right? Um, Ordinary citizens are not equal to the king. 1 Peter 2.17 says to give honor to the emperor. And likewise, 
children are not equal to their parents in terms of eternal value? Yes, of course. But by position? No. No. The Bible teaches us that we should honor our adults, our parents, because they are the authority over us. And because they are the authority over us, they earn and they're due that respect and that honor. In Ephesians 2, 6, uh, that I just read, Paul's quoting from the Old Testament here, isn't he? In fact, he's quoting from the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. And it's the fifth commandment that says, honor your father and your mother, Exodus 20, 12. Now, the fifth commandment occupies a very unique position in the Ten Commandments, right? Because it's directly, <coughs> sorry, um, it's direct, directly related uh, to God, and, and in the middle, um, it's then it's uh, direct, directly related to other people. So it's right in the middle. And it's really interesting here because God, God has our parents over us as the main human responsibility in our lives. Therefore, we must honor our parents. Now, when we think of honoring parents, we think we must obey them. We think of obedience. And that, that is a part of it. But honoring your mother and father, I believe, has a broader command than just obedience. See, you can obey your parents without honoring them. But you can't honor your parents without also obeying them. Do you see the difference there? All right. When, when you honor your parent, you value them for who they are, and you show them proper respect as your parents and as God's designated authority over you. And obeying your parents is an outward action. But honoring your parents actually is, is a, um, an inward attitude. I love the word attitude. See, it's possible for you to obey your parents and have a bad attitude. But you can't have a bad attitude and honor your parents. It doesn't work that way. And by the way, folks, this command to honor your parents still holds true even when we grow up to be adults. And I get it. As adults, we're no longer under their authority when we're not living under their roof. I get that. But as parents, as God's designated authority in our lives, we're still commanded to honor our parents always. Matter of fact, Leviticus 19.32 says, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God, I am Lord. And then in Proverbs, it says, Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. You know, Jesus spoke to adult children about their parents and specifically told them that this command to honor their parents still applied to them. Matthew 15, 3 and 6 says this, and he answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what would you have gained from me? It's given to God. He need not honor his father. 
So for the sake of your, tra- your tradition, you've made void the word of God. Listen, folks. When Jesus was on the cross, he still took measures to provide for his mother. So when we grow to be adults, we're no longer under our parents' authority as we were when we were younger, but we still need to show honor, respect. We need to listen to them. And yes, we need to provide for them. And many of you are doing that right now, and you're doing it well. But this command also holds a promise, doesn't it? God promises a good life to those who, by faith, honor their mother and father. And remember this. God always has our best interests in mind. He knows what it will take for us to live a good life. See, look, the world pretends to know what it means and offers us all sorts of substitutes. But God promises a good life to those who are content in submitting to those in authority, such as our parents. Now, some have questioned the literalness of that passage, right? Well, again, I believe that if you honor your parents, you will enjoy a good, long life. And, you know, oftentimes we see Godly people live a long life, but we also know that godly people sometimes, sometimes die young. So there's obviously something more that's meant here in this passage, correct? However, God's promises, God's promises always extend beyond time. They begin now, but they extend forever. Don't forget that. So this morning... I really want to focus on application here. So I'm thinking, how can we honor our parents? And specifically, how can we honor our mothers? So I've broken this up, um, and I have like two lists. Number one, how can children living at home honor their mothers? I'm not sure if there's any kids in here right now, but if you're living at home, what are some things you can do right now to honor your mother? Well, number one, do what you're told to do. No backtalk, right? No backtalk. Listen, in honoring your mom, all right, do what she tells you without questioning her. Your mother's wise. She's been around for a while. She knows what's best for you. And your mom has your best interests at heart. Number two, be thankful. Be thankful. Whatever your mother does for you, be thankful. If she makes you a dinner that you don't like, be thankful. If she buys you a piece of clothing you don't like, be thankful. When she stands in the pouring rain in March when it's 45 degrees watching your soccer game, be thankful. All right? Be thankful. All right? Be responsible. How about this? Kids. Clean up your room without being asked. Do your chores. Be responsible. When you're, when you're responsible, it, your mom loves it. All right? it. It means so much to her to do chores without being asked. All right? It'll bless your mom greatly. How about this? Do something nice for your mother. Not just on Mother's Day. 
right? Take out the trash. Bring her her favorite beverage, if it's like coffee or iced tea, all right? Um, whatever it is, you know what? Sweep the floor, you know? It doesn't matter. Do something nice for your mom. Tell your mother that you love her. Those three words, I love you, are the most important, impactful words in the world. Those words can heal hurts, they can calm fears, and they can bring peace to any situation. Many other ways to honor your mom, but these are some ways, kids, you can do right now, today. What about for the rest of us, those of us who've uh, been away from home for a while? How can we honor our moms? Well, how about this? Pray for them, but also pray with them. All right? Your, your parents still have needs. All right? Pray for, pray for their health. Pray for their well-being. Pray for their spiritual walk. It's never too late. All right? Pray with them, but pray together with them. Along the same lines, communicate with your parents. Call them. Ask them, how are they doing? How are you doing, Mom? Listen to them. Spend some time. I, I have to admit, I, I, as putting this together, I was convicted. I, I probably call my mom once every other month. My mom's 90, will be 93. I need to do better. I need a call. I need to listen to her. A phone call. A visit. Do it before it's too late. Talk to them and treat them with respect. Now, why am I saying this? Sometimes when our parents get older, it's hard. But folks, if we're short with them, if we show irritation or use unkind words, not only is it wrong, it's a reflection of who you are. They don't deserve it. Treat them with respect. Encourage your parents. They need encouragement just as we do. Maybe even more. I, I, I found my, my, my mom needs to be encouraged. And it's just a great reminder. I need to encourage her as well. Maybe we need to forgive our parents. Every parent makes mistakes, folks. I mean, they've all made, you know, we've all made mistakes raising our children. I know I certainly have. No, no mother is perfect. All have made poor decisions at one time or another or said or done things that have hurt us. Please, do not let any bitterness or, or resentment that you have Linger, please forgive. You can always honor your parents by extending grace and forgiveness to them. Write a letter of blessing to them. Maybe 20 years ago, I actually had the privilege of, um, I did this twice, I did it with the men, uh, another thing with the women, but with the guys, we did this um, um, 
course called Letters from Dad. And we learn to write letters of blessing. Why writing a letter is so important is that a person can read it over and over and over. And for men, it was hard, but we learned to write. Number one, the first thing we learned was to write a letter of blessing to our wives. The second lesson was to write a letter of blessing to our children. I did that to Stacy and Aaron. I'll get to the third in a minute. The fourth letter we learned to write was a letter of blessing to the family that would be read at our funeral. But the third letter was a letter of blessing to our parents. And I love what the author said. Even if your mom or dad has already passed, write it anyway. Write it as a memorial of just blessing. There's something about a blessing and there's something about putting a blessing in writing where they can keep it forever and ever and ever. Many other ways to honor mom, but these are just some thoughts I hope that will help you. You know, I think it's good that we can publicly honor our mothers today, both in church and in society. However, as we honor our moms, we cannot stop there. As important as this day is, the most important thing about today is we honor Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Okay? And remember, God is the only one who is truly worthy of our praise. In our hearts, we must join with the elders standing before the throne of God singing, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you, Lord, created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. Again, it's good that we can honor moms today. But even more, we need to love and honor Jesus Christ. When we honor Christ, we're ultimately honoring our parents. Right? I mean, are you doing that? Are you pointing your children to Christ? Are you encouraging them to love Christ even more than they love you? Are you doing that? Are you holding them back? Are you holding on to their love? Please be careful. Let them go. Direct them to Christ. And when you do, listen, when you do, you will find that in reality, you've given up nothing. Because as their love for the Savior grows, their love for you will grow. You can't lose here. You can't lose. I spent a lot of time thinking about this message because I really had a burden to honor moms, um, just reflecting on my own mother, reflecting on how well my daughters do, my wife and many of you. And I just knew that whatever I said today just would not be adequate. It's just, I knew that. And so I was thinking, how can I close this message? And I realized I needed some help with my closing. I said, who better to help me than a mother who understands? So I'm going to invite a mother who has a godly mother who has a godly grandmother, by the way, 
who is doing a really good job raising her children. But like every other mother, she has her struggles as well. And I think you'll be blessed by hearing Rachel Arguelles. So Rach, if you'll come. Yeah. Good morning, Grace. Dennis, of course, introduced me by my married name, but some of you may remember me as Rachel Olup. It's Mother's Day, and I must recognize God's kindness to me and celebrate my heritage of faith. I was blessed to be raised by godly parents who loved the Lord, and I have faith-filled grandparents who loved the Lord and who served a life in ministry. I grew up in this church after we began attending in 1996. I became a Christian at the age of nine when Jesus forgave my sins and saved me. So I gratefully represent the third generation of believers in my family here this morning. During my middle and high school years, I was heavily involved with whatever was available to students. I remember being discipled by older girls and I also had strong friendships with girls who kept me grounded and accountable. When I went away to college, however, my faith struggled, and I walked through a season of significant sin and rebellion. Around this time, I met my husband, Justin, and shortly after graduating, I moved back home. Justin and I began attending here, and we were married in 2011. While I had turned from those previous sinful behaviors, I carried massive guilt and painful condemnation about the things I had done. <clears throat> More often than not, on Sunday mornings, I would feel that crushing agony of my sin, and regret and shame would wash over me. For several years, I struggled to believe and receive God's full forgiveness for my rebellion. <clears throat> but in 2016, we had our daughter, Penelope. Being a mom was so different than anything I'd ever imagined. There were times that I thought my heart would explode with love. I loved this little human more than I ever thought possible. And then our son, Luca, was born in 2018. Now there was two to love, pure joy. Motherhood was and is fantastic, but it also brought new feelings, thoughts, and emotions. As a mother of two precious souls, I began to feel mounting pressure and constant worry over being responsible for my kids' salvation and faith. It was my heart's mission to make sure that they knew the Lord. God had undoubtedly used my parents to lay the foundations in my young years. And now, as a mom, I was motivated to really make my faith my own. I wanted to learn and grow, not only for me personally, but also for the impact it would have on my babies. So Justin and I began attending a life group, and we signed up to serve in children's ministry. I also started attending women's Bible studies here, and one of the most impactful moments in my walk of faith happened during one of those lessons. Our teacher, Courtney, handed out a half sheet of paper with a list of questions, um, true or false questions, about God's grace. A few were, I tend to not feel back in God's good graces right after repentance. 
and I struggle with considerable self-condemnation. And I rarely ask for forgiveness only once for any, any significant transgression, even if I truly repented the first time. She gave us time to privately answer and then took us to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. She had us write the word grace on a piece of paper and instructed us that any time we were struggling to accept God's grace, we should get up and physically stand on it and thus mentally stand in his grace. This illustration struck a deep nerve with me, but why? I had to get to the root of it. I wanted to believe that grace. I wanted to be free. So here we go. Confession time. I'm a people pleaser. I know this about me. Anybody else? But what I hadn't realized was this. Making my parents proud and being seen as a good girl was a huge part of my image, my identity, my value, and my self-worth. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me that keeping up this good girl image, this good church girl image, um, this perfect Christian, I have it all together and I haven't done anything wrong image is an idol of mine. This forced me to stay silent about my feelings of shame and condemnation because I couldn't be open and honest about my past. I was so afraid of being seen in a bad light. So Satan kept me in darkness and feeling ashamed because no one really knew the whole truth, the whole me. I was hiding. But God showed me that I wasn't living in the freedom for which Christ died. As Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He led me on a journey of repenting, learning, and truly believing his love and grace toward me through Jesus. God has taught me that it's not about being good. It's about receiving his grace, and that alone changes how I live. Jesus already lived perfectly in my place, and I have received his righteousness by faith through grace. He died for my sins, past, present, and future, and he has forgiven me and cleansed me. In fact, just as Pastor Shep shared last Sunday, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that in Christ, I have become the righteousness of God. Talk about no shame. My identity is not wrapped up in my sin and shame, but in my Savior. Here's the crazy thing. All these things happened when Jesus saved me at age nine, but I've just now begun believing it and walking in it. Last month, the women's Thursday night group finished up Lauren Chandler's With Us in the Wilderness study on the book of Numbers. I really resonated with her words regarding the rhythms, or what we would also call the disciplines of our faith, like Bible reading, scripture memory, prayer, fasting, Sabbath, etc. She says, The point of the rhythms is to keep our hearts and minds ever on the center and source of life, the Lord. Be assured that when we get out of rhythm, we will find ourselves drifting toward our favorite idols and off course. But also be assured that all it takes to get back into rhythm is returning to Jesus. He will wait with open arms. 
I can look back and see that I had fallen out of rhythm with him and biblical community, resulting in sin and rebellion. But this year, I was invited to join a small discipleship group to deepen my relationship with the Lord. We pursued Jesus through regular Bible reading, scripture memory, and prayer, and then come together each week and share what he's taught us. It's a safe, loving, grace-filled space where we can be open, honest, and transparent about our struggles. I found great value and joy in having accountability for these holy habits that cultivate my intimacy with God. Through the daily practice of these disciplines, I'm experiencing God's truth, revelation, freedom, and presence in my life. It's been so rewarding and fruitful. Satan, of course, still tries to make me feel guilt and shame, so I have to preach the gospel to my heart often. I must convince myself that his grace is sufficient and covers my sin. I tell myself, because of Jesus, God loves me and accepts me, and I don't have to keep up a good girl image or be acceptable to him or to anyone else. I can do things for the joy of doing them, and I can be honest with others about my failures and sin. Lastly, God has shown me in his word that it is vitally important that I tell my children how he has been faithful and kind to me. I'm called to tell them about all his works of grace in my life, just like he instructed his people Israel over and over and over again to tell their children, the next generation, how he provided for them. God instructs me to joyfully recount to Penelope and Luca his miracles of deliverance, provision, healing, salvation, and resurrection. I'm so grateful that both of my children have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The fourth generation of believers in our family. As their mom, I'm appointed to disciple these tiny people, and it's such a worthy calling. By God's grace, we are raising them to know and love Jesus with their whole hearts and walk with him all of their days. For as the Apostle John says, there is no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I've already begun praying for the fifth generation and every generation after that. Amen.